The bottom line is that following these events in the 80s, somebody in the government was aware of these things. Somebody probably believed they were indeed legitimate UFOs, but then you probably had a significant number of staff people all the way up the chain in the Department of Defense who probably thought it was nonsense. Um, that was just the nature of that scenario. And then you can imagine, um, as the government became more transparent, you know, as we moved out of the, the Vietnam era and out of the height of the Cold War, there weren't a lot of good opportunities for people within the Department of Defense to even speculate about this, right? Because what you end up with is, you know, reports up the chain. And you can just imagine, you know, Commander, what happened out there? Why did these go off? I don't know. Commander, what was that thing? I don't know. Well, you better find out. Right? Reporting things up the chain like that don't happen. Right? If you don't have an answer, then you don't have a question. Right? And that's the kind of the way that bureaucracy works. I mean, all the way to the top, right? Department of Defense, you know, Secretary of Defense. Stratcom commander, why those missiles go offline? We don't know. What was that thing you saw? We don't know. Right? And now you got Congress asking Secretary of Defense or maybe even the President, what went on out there? What happened? We don't know. Right? Nobody's going to give that I don't know answer to their bosses. And so if you don't have an answer, you don't have a question. Um... And that really, I think, can explain just a lot of the skepticism that went around. No one was willing to run around and talk about what they didn't know just because it wasn't in their interest, right? I can tell you, um, you know, from personal experience, which again, I don't like to use it, but you don't even necessarily have to rely on me. Talk about anybody, uh, read anything anyone said interview people who've been in the military. Military people will more readily risk their lives and their physical bodies than they will consciously risk their career by doing something, even if they know that whatever they're doing is in the country's best interest, is in the service's best interest, they won't do it. It's weird. Like, the courage to jump on a grenade is a, just a different kind of courage than to consciously channel a question up your chain of command that's going to torpedo your career like it's it's the weirdest almost ironic counterintuitive thing you know somebody will charge a machine gun mound they'll fly over enemy aircraft anti-aircraft batteries risk getting shot down and try and survive in foreign countries but they won't swim upstream in the bureaucracy when it's going to potentially have an impact on their career. It's really bizarre. But it's it's so common that it's not surprising and it's not even difficult at all to imagine how this phenomena kind of just gets buried. Right? If you don't have an answer, you don't have a question. And so it just goes away. Someone knew about it. Um, 
but not enough people worried about it that it never became a mainstream concern within uh, the Department of Defense as a whole. Now, we know that records were kept and reports were made by different entities, but they never reached you know, a critical mass or a significant portion of time where anyone took them seriously or, or developed a program. Um, and, again, it's hard to criticize that, right? Because nothing has actually, to our knowledge, bad has happened due to UFOs or anything else. Like, they've never, you know, to our knowledge, or at least to public knowledge, you know, committed an attack or, you know, done anything um, to any city or, you know, civilization. And, you know, I'll get to, to discussing that a little bit more here in just a few minutes, but there just wasn't a need uh, for anyone to risk their career over something that happened here or there that most everyone, other than a very few people within the national security arena, were probably pretty skeptical about how truthful uh, the explanation was, um, regardless of what kind of detail they may have been privy to. So that's kind of where the government was there, right, at the end of the 80s. So you had, you know, you went from Roswell up through the stuff in the 50s, you get Project Blue Book, they shut it, they look at the stuff, they don't have any answers, they don't have any questions, then they move into space race, you know, whatever they find up there, whatever they don't find up there, doesn't really trigger at least any visible movement on the Department of Defense side, and it doesn't appear that there really was any movement, and I'll explain why here. Literally, they just weren't doing anything about it. Um, they were collecting reports, and they're probably getting filed away, and without a credible threat or any credible answer to what the threat might have even been, uh, it was just, you know, put to bed. And then we get into the 90s, and you get the beginning of the internet, and you really don't, you really don't have a lot of super mainstream UFO events, you know, you know, very similar to the 80s, except for in the 80s, we did, you know, we had the, the UFOs on the military installations. Those seem to kind of fade away and don't really seem to happen uh, in the 90s. Or if they did, you know, they didn't get, they haven't been revealed in the same way that the ones with the nuclear um, arms did in the 80s. And then, so the most significant thing, you know, that I can recall or even just notice with a quick glance around the internet is that when Bill Clinton was elected, he wanted to know the damn answer to Roswell. And so he forced the Air Force to go figure out what this answer was. And long story short, I can go read about that whole thing if you want, but they basically just came and gave him the same answer as weather balloon, blah, blah, blah. Um, right? And so knowing what we know now that in light of recent events, that the government has acknowledged some unidentified air phenomena, it, it throws some of those other things into question, like Roswell. But unfortunately, because the Air Force has come out so many times backing up that weather balloon story, that even if it wasn't a weather balloon, it's hard to imagine uh, the Air Force ever walking back that story and describing what it really would without like a hardcore whistleblower. Like, you know, for example, 
you'd have to have alien bodies. You'd have to have some scientists working on them somewhere. And then you'd have to have them scientists come out and say, no, these, it, there was a crash at Roswell. We did recover bodies and debris. And until you have that, I don't think the Roswell story is going to change. And so there we are, you know, that's the mid-90s. You get towards the end of the 90s and 2000, we're full-blown in the internet age, right? Cell phones are just now starting to have cameras on them. And technology, the information age really starts exploding, you know, about around the year 2000, and then just whoosh, takes off from a technological standpoint. And again... There wasn't a whole lot of sightings. Now, one additional sighting uh, I think that happened in the 90s was there was something that over Phoenix, and there was uh, a few others here and there that people claimed to have seen, but there was nothing. The problem with some of the things like what they saw in Phoenix and other places, when it's lights in the sky, it's really hard in my opinion, to come to the conclusion from an objective standpoint that lights in the sky are UFOs. Um, most of pilots and different things who've seen UFOs, they don't ever see lights on them. They just see a shiny silver craft. And some people have said they've gotten really close to some UFOs on a few occasions. They did, say they, they did see lights on them. But they were always multiple lights of like different colors. You know, you don't really have someone who's actually seen the physical part of the craft itself has said anything about a light that is just a normal sort of yellowish white light that a lot of these UFO um, photographs or videos from like the 90s and the 2000s, the few that we do have, it, it's hard to take those ones seriously because... If you just think about it, one, all of the old ones, they didn't mention any lights. And two, they never saw any windows on these things either. So what are the lights for? Why would an alien craft uh, have a light on it? What are they trying to do? I mean, why would they fly at night? I mean, what, what's the purpose? Like, our aircrafts have lights on them so they don't run into each other. But, I mean, these ETs or, you know, UFOs, whatever you want to call them, they tend to hurry up and get the hell out of the way once anything enters their airspace. And so these hovering lights around populations, I'm less confident that these are legitimate UFO scenarios, and it's more likely to be some kind of plane or jet that's complying with FAA rules, but the answer just doesn't come out for some reason. Now, I suppose there's all kinds of reasons why an alien craft or an extraterrestrial craft might have lights on it, but it doesn't really fit with their general operation of like not being seen and getting the hell away from, from people who, who discover them. And so we'll come back to that as we talk to us through some of these things that have happened recently. Um, and so that's what we really had in the 90s and even recently is lights in the sky. Um, unfortunately, like, like the event off of Florida that they caught on video, some of them are flares. Some of the other ones I've seen do not look like flares. They don't act like flares. 
Um, but they also don't really act like aircraft because they're kind of stationary. However, it could be a number of different things. Like I said, I struggle to give the Lights in the Skies one uh, the same credibility that you get from the ones that were seen in daylight. And, and that's why. Not to say that they're not UFOs, not to say they couldn't be. There's just there's some logical questions that don't really fit with the whole concept of a UFO. We're talking about a whole bunch of lights in the sky. Um, so yeah, there you are, 2000. We're moving on. We get into that first decade of 21st century. And towards the end of that time, we start to see um, a little bit of modern military encounters with these crafts. I think some of the reports, some of the videos of different things are from 2007. You have some things then as we get into the next decade. You have the famous ones that happened in 2014. You have the drones recently in 2019 in the same place that the ones were in 2014. And by the way, it's pretty much come out that there's a bunch of other ones that haven't even made it to public yet. And the credibility, the credibility behind these is pretty high because you have officials coming out saying that not only have people seen these, they've chased them with aircraft, they've had them on aircraft radar, they've also had them from other ISR sources. And so when they say something like, we also picked these things up by other sensor suites and other ISR resources, they're probably talking about satellites, thermal imaging, there's all kinds of different satellites looking down. Um, from weather satellites to climate change satellites to nuclear um, detection satellites. I mean, you have a whole bunch of satellites that are up there designed to look at different things, not even counting things like Google Earth and all of these things. And uh, it's highly likely that when they have some sort of event that they can't explain, you know, they're going to go tap into all of those images and all of that signals intelligence that they can get their hands on see if they can figure out what it was. And when they can do all of that and they know they have it on those screens and they have the data from it and they still don't know what it is, that's when you can start to really feel confident that this is a little something odd. And that's honestly kind of where everyone's ended up. Um, I'm not sure we would be here if that video hadn't gotten leaked somehow. And so, you know, at some point, you know, in this 21st century there, um, enough of these things were happening as you got, you know, a lot of F-18s all around the world. You know, we've kind of been everywhere with our military since that first Gulf War um, and the fall of the Soviet Union really taken off in the 2000s, especially as we got GPS going and all of this stuff. And it appears that the government was just, or I would just say, I'll say the military, not so much the government was encountering enough of these unknown things that they did launch their own program. So they put a program in place, and you can go read about that thing. Um, and it was sort of just, they were tracking these things, similar, I think, to how they were tracking Project Blue Book, but not as robust. I don't know if they were, it's hard to say, but it doesn't seem like they were cataloging thousands, thousands of events. It seemed like they were identifying some very particular incidents tracking those and then it also seemed they were doing some very odd consultations with some people in the civilian sector and i think 
my intuition tells me that it was odd because not only did they want to keep it a secret, but they had to pick academic people who weren't afraid to have their careers ridiculed, you know, by working for the government on UFOs. And so that's a, you know, that can be a tough sell um, for a lot of scientists and researchers who don't already work for the government. And you don't necessarily want them to work for the government because you want them to have a little bit of objectivity. You want to pay them just a blank flat rate and then have them come to a a conclusion after they've already been paid. So there's no financial incentive for them to skew the results one way or the other. They already got their money. And things start to get murky at that point. And then, like, you can go read about all the recent stuff that happens. You know, the the guy who claimed to be the head of it, and that doesn't seem to have been disputed by the Pentagon. Um, You know, he says that he got frustrated because there were still people in the government not taking it seriously, even though they did have legitimate evidence of these things as, you know, far back as at least 2014. And so that kind of brings us to the crux of what we're talking about. So Bill Clinton gave, um, I don't know, it was a lecture, talk, interview, or something. We was talking about asking, about getting that information from Roswell. And, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Independence Day, there's like a whole alien research thing going on. The president have any, president or the, defer, um, excuse me, the Secretary of Defense have no idea what's going on. Special access programs are not unlikely to be like that. And again, Secretary of Defense, even four-star generals, as you move down the chain, most of the time, unless it's literally their own program that they start at their level, they don't have a damn idea of what's going down on down at the action officer level. Like It would probably blow a lot of people's minds how little any general actually knows about what's going on under his command. Um, it's very segmented, and there's no way they could know. There's just way too much stuff going on. It's way too big. There's way too many specialties, um, and you know you have a, the funding and all of that stuff. It, it is just wild. It's complicated. It's complex. It's almost impossible to understand. You know, you almost need like a, a whiteboard the size of a, a football field to be able to to understand the authorities, funding, and discretion, and all of those things. And there's just no way people in leadership positions have sight on any or all of that stuff, and. and that doesn't even take into account the political piece. And that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is to just step back and have some discussions on things that have become political that they don't really need to be. It's just, it's kind of wild. And a question that I have keep running through my mind is, you know, what's next? And how does politics going to play into what the government does next? Because right now we don't really have, you know, a Republican, you know, viewpoint versus a Democratic viewpoint or a liberal viewpoint versus a conservative viewpoint on the extraterrestrial issue. You know, I do think there's probably some religious implications that would come in there, um, at least on the conservative side, probably, though it's unclear how those would play out and and that's and and i'm going to mention something else about that here in a minute but let's just sort of reset the scenario right so now we have um congress requiring you know 
an unclassified brief from all the agencies that really report to them on a national security issue. This would mean CIA, FBI, NSA, and the Congress has basically said, you're going to tell us what we want to know. Now, going back to what I mentioned a second ago about Bill Clinton giving that thing, he went out there and tried to figure out what happened because he wanted to know. And he even told this audience, he's like, you know, they told me, they gave me the same story for Roswell that they gave back then. So if there is a different story, they were able to keep it from a sitting president. And he went on to say, so I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, I don't know if there's anything else out there. And I tried to find out. Now, we have to understand, and I think this is a weakness of our government lately. I don't remember the last time that we had a president who ever even worked at the Pentagon, right? Like, I don't remember the last time that we had a president who was literally uh, any kind of active duty officer or was a wing commander or anything like that. Now, I'm sure they have aides um, and different advisors who have been in there, but again, they don't have the same independence of operation that a president himself or herself would have. And what that means is, you know, if anything that I've told you or just talked about in terms of how it would be really easy for information to exist within the Department of Defense and top officials not knowing about it, um, or even having access to it for that matter. I mean, that's so absolutely common. Um, and if you weren't plugged into that kind of bureaucracy, you're just plugged into that world, you wouldn't really know that. You wouldn't necessarily suspect that. Um, and that's even, I mean, and even nowadays, right, where, you know, Google or Amazon, or whatever, they, they know what the heck you were shopping for three weeks ago, and they want to know if, you're, if you forgot about it and you want to buy it still. You know, that level of data tracking and recording is not in the federal government by by any stretch of the, the imagination. And I'd, I would actually um, be willing to wager quite a lot that actually Google, Amazon, Apple, and probably even the Chinese have a hell of a lot more tracking data on the United States military and their personnel than the United States military does. And that's not to say they have all of the secrets. Um, you know, but, you know, the secret, that's just a concept. Like, that's just some information that's been protected. Some of that, some of that super top secret stuff, you know, it's buried pretty deep and it's hard to get at. But something like a report of a UFO at a base, if they didn't know what it was, if it wasn't called a UFO, it's probably not going to be classified at a local base unless someone goes in there and makes it classified. And there's not a tracking system, an, an all an all-knowing repository for all these files that get generated or all this data. There just isn't one at all. So it wouldn't be that surprising, even if the people that Bill Clinton asked him to go find it, if they didn't even know where to look, right? And, you know, that was the late 90s. We're talking about something that happened literally 50 years before that. Nobody probably, I would be willing to say there was probably almost nobody in the Pentagon who was in the military at the time that Roswell happened. So there was absolutely no continuity of data. All that they could do is go back and look in their files and see what we got. And I can promise you right now, in the late 1940s, the Air Force had barely even existed. If they wanted to shred some document or haul some debris away and make no record of it ever, 
it would not have been difficult to do. And there's no way anyone today could ever go back and find out about it unless some person who was involved at Roswell came forward and explained what happened. And all we really had from that was the guy who was posing in the pictures with the general come out and say that, yeah, it wasn't a weather balloon. You know, I had debris in my hand and, and described it and all this stuff. But we've never had anyone come forward who was involved in trucking it away, driving it away. You know, what installation did they drive it to? Who met them? Who did they talk to? Who interviewed them? You know, has anyone followed up with them later in life? Like, you don't have any of that stuff. You just have um, someone, one person, um, came out. So it's hard to say. Be very easy for Roswell to have been buried. And so it's not surprising that Bill Clinton could have got to it. And then as you get into the Bush administration, a couple of things to note. One, they were distracted, right? 9-11 happened and the world changed and the United States government changed and the military changed. And so for the next 10 years, you know, 2001, 2011, you know, we're literally prosecuting pretty significant military action and for all intents and purposes at war. And, you know, we're deploying tons of people, we're flying around the world, we're burning all this jet fuel and oil and doing all this stuff. And no one has time to look for UFOs. No one has time to talk about it. Now, again, we know that there were UFOs seen by the military in that time period. But every person in the military's focus was on, on those wars, on the war on terror. And I don't remember ever hearing really anything about UFOs or extraterrestrials during the Bush administration. And that's despite the fact that we now know that the military did have some UFO encounters. And then we get into the Obama administration. And this is when some people get into a federal presidential administration that for some reason have an interest in this topic. So, you know, Harry Reid was a, a senator from Nevada, a Democratic senator. For, he's had some kind of in-depth interest in this topic for quite some time, and I'm not sure why. There's a story behind each of these individuals that someone told them something at some point, probably against the classification rules. Someone probably broke the law to disclose something to them, and so they know it. They can't tell you how they know it. And they want to be able to get these things disclosed so they can talk about what they know. And this includes some people from the Clinton administration, some people from the Obama administration, and um, it never really happened. It seemed like, you know, everyone kind of thought Hillary Clinton was going to win that election. And some of those people that I'm talking about were on her staff. And they thought they had the momentum and that she was going to win. And then they were going to do a full court press on getting this stuff released. Um, but it didn't happen. And, and so what's interesting in this is that that was a very you know democratically aligned individuals. But now it has really kind of been a couple Republican senators who have pushed this disclosure piece um, in the Senate. And we don't really, we don't see a partisan divide on this yet. 
it'll be interesting to see what comes out. So I'm trying to get this podcast released before it actually comes out. And so I, that's why I wanted to start with this one also, not just because it's sort of not political yet, you know, so we can have this speculation now and see what happens, see what kind of politics we get out of this, given how divided the country is. And the other interesting thing, and I haven't really wanted to dive into international stuff on this because, you know, I'm trying to, this topic is circular enough as it is. It's really hard to stay on a straight and narrow path of a linear, chronological, logically sound path that makes sense. And I'm sure that it seemed like I've meandered around back and forth on a lot of stuff. But there's a lot of international stuff that's happened, like some prime ministers and presidents of other countries, defense ministers, whether it's Canada or you know Japan's, you know one of Japan's prime minister or president's wives or um, some official claimed to have been abducted by aliens. You've had some Australians come out about it. You've had a couple other um, European nations. What's interesting is is not a lot of the big EU countries have really said too much about this. It's interesting that some Canadian officials have really come out about it. And then you have an Israeli guy. Um, and Israel's a weird place. It seems like everybody who's in their government has been every position in their government in like the last 30 years. So it's kind of a strange place. But they have someone who came out, you know, one of their former defense ministers, and basically was like, yeah, aliens are real. They're here. We've known they've been here. And, you know, he even claimed that Donald Trump was going to blow the lid off the whole thing, but then decided not to for some reason. Um, and so it's hard to know what to do with all of those statements. You know, unfortunately you can't really trust words, you know, and that's where I come back to that accepted observations. You know, what people say, well, not what people say, but when someone talks on the behalf of the government, it's very, very, very measured what they have to say. And that actually leads me to something that I forgot to mention during that space race time. And this what this is interesting, but nothing really changes because of it, um, at least not on the surface. There could have been some behind-the-scenes changes. But at some point during the space race, they the government sanctions this report about what would happen to society if society learned of the existence of extraterrestrials. And, again, I think largely due to the religious element, that report came back and said it would be chaos. This would be, it would be bad news. Now, the problem that I have with that report is the same problem I have with almost all reports that are done by the government, especially about things like that. Because I will tell you, again, I don't like doing this, but from personal experience, People's religions make a difference in the actions that they take when they are in the government. And I'll say that again. People's religious beliefs impact their decisions when they're acting on behalf of the United States government. I've seen it, with my first, seen it first time with my own eyes. You cannot separate a person from their belief system. And as I mentioned earlier, it would not surprise me at all if there was not a religious belief element to the resistance of accepting extraterrestrials for a long time, especially back in the 50s and 60s. And I'm almost certainly positive that that's what's mentioned in that report, at least as, a, as one aspect uh, of what's going to happen. Now, interestingly, 
on that note, and this is important for a couple of reasons, the Catholic Church at the Vatican, they have begun having conversations about extraterrestrials. And to me, that is very foreshadowing, and here's why. I never mentioned the ancient, ancient astronaut theory in this podcast until just now, because I didn't want to mix it up. They're two separate things. Yes, if we were to discover today that we 100% have extraterrestrials visiting us, it would change probably a lot about history and, and, and trigger a re-examination of a lot of history based on the ancient astronaut theory. However, they're not directly related. Nothing about the UFOs today guarantees that they were around or were happening however long ago in the past. But if anybody, any organization still maintains some historical documents that would suggest that there was, you know, positive identification of extraterrestrials in the ancient past, it would be the Catholic Church. Um, you know, Islam hasn't really been around long enough. Um, it's been around, you know, basically kind of since, you know, the fall of the Roman Empire, so to speak. But the Catholic Church, coming from the Roman Catholic era, presumably in their secret archives, has documents that go well back into the BCs. They probably have, they probably have copies of manuscripts and things that museums and stuff don't have, and they don't want to release them for a number of different reasons. Not necessarily cover up. They obviously don't want to give up their, you know, sacred texts or the original copies of what they have. Um, but, you know, they could or give them up to, to non-religious study. And so if there's any organization, in my view, that's on the planet that might have some records that might just tip somebody's opinion on the extraterrestrial piece, it would be the Vatican. And as these things have been released, you've seen the Catholic Church take this very, eh, you know, it could be true. They've been setting themselves up to where they, the Catholic religion can survive a revelation of extraterrestrials being real and having visited the earth. They are setting themselves up for that um, with comments in the last three or four years, and I find that to be very interesting. Um, it's almost like they know what's coming. And um, that leads to another sort of, I don't know how to frame it, but also one of the best spy networks in the world is kind of the Catholic Church, right? As I just said, you can't separate a person's religious beliefs from their everyday behaviors, even when they're working for the government. And so Catholic Church has spies everywhere. They're plugged into more places, and my, I wouldn't be surprised if they had access to more data than even the Chinese did. Um, and it's possible that they are plugged in enough with both, you know, I mean, let's just call it the NATO allies, for lack of a better term, um, to maybe have, you know, had some forewarning of some of these ET encounters.
Um, right? I mean, just just speculating. You know, let's say some government official, some devout Catholic, the Pentagon, gets word of some very strong ET evidence. I mean, and it really it shakes them. They don't know what to think about that, and they want some guidance from their spiritual leader on what to make of this. So they go to the church, uh, and they have a confession. Maybe they talk to their priest or whatever. I mean, sure, it's supposed to probably just be between them, but I doubt there's any rules that would stop those priests, you know, from channeling things up, you know, towards the Pope, towards the Vatican, and say, hey, you know, there might be some stuff to this. We might be seeing some more of this. We might need to come out with some sort of statement or some sort of position on extraterrestrials so our people don't, you know, lose faith or whatever. Not that far-fetched of a speculation. Um, hard to tell without being them and asking them directly, you know, what's triggering all this discussion from the Catholic Church about extraterrestrials. But all of these things are coming together. And we're seeing, I guess, a trend. And what we're seeing is now that for a long time, mainstream news organizations would not really report on the UFO stuff. It was just like it was just like it was in the academic world for them. It was you just can't touch it. It was dirty. You get tainted by it. And so what's interesting, just quickly, is even though that, you know, um, the media is coming around, journalists are coming around, we still haven't seen academics come around just yet. And there could be a number of reasons for that. First of all, there's nothing really for the academics to do if they can't get their hands on some data, right? Journalists don't need their hands on data. They just need someone to say something. Um, there's not much that scientists can do unless the military is going to turn over video, uh, radar, different readings and things like that, different spectrum. Maybe you know, they get any sound coming out of these things. Like, you know, it's hard to say what, what, the, what the government may have and what the government may not have. But there's just not much for academics to do about it. And we just really haven't seen them coming around in the same way that journalists have. And they may not until they literally have some literally ascertainable data that they can do work on. So what do we do? What could possibly be going on here? You know, we have a history of basically 70 years of the federal government basically saying, we looked into UFOs, nothing here, nothing to see here. Then here we are, 2019, 2020, whenever those things first came out. Oh, well, maybe there is something to see here because here's something to see and we don't know what it is. And, oh, by the way, that's not the only one. There are others. We have an organization that's looking into this. They don't know what it is. The person heading up that organization is frustrated with our lack of attention at it, so they literally resign their post, go work for a civilian organization that's plugged into this area and you know, lobbying Congress, getting people to bend the rules to disclose things, really get this topic out in the open. Let's remove the secrecy from it. Let's remove the ridicule from it. Let's accept that we know getting have some craft that are flying around that nobody knows what they are. That's where we're at. And somebody else put it this way. I don't know who it was. I'm paraphrasing here. And, but it's, it's purely logical. There's only three explanations for these craft. Like the ones that you see in, in those Navy, Navy footage. And even the drones that were reported off the ships off the coast of California in 2019. 
just those are just two examples a ton of other ones but their options are this it's a human controlled or non-human controlled if it's human controlled then it's either the United States government or someone else and we can pretty much rule out that it's the United States government and here's why there is as I mentioned a lot of stuff that goes on in the Department of Defense that the left hand isn't talking to the right hand but that doesn't explain these situations it definitely doesn't explain the drones that were just hanging around the the ships while they were sailing like what would they be doing there if it was United States government flying these craft what you the, the only logical way that this scenario could have arisen is if somebody in the government is testing these things out and they forget to tell the rest of the Navy don't fly your planes out here we're doing something like that's how that works you know it doesn't we are testing stuff all the time and this stuff doesn't happen Right? I mean, how long did we test the B-2 that people thought they were seeing extraterrestrial vehicles when it was really just a B-2 bomber in its testing phases? Like, we can test stuff without having our own pilots see it and try to chase it across the map. The other piece is, if we have the technology that's displayed in those videos, we wouldn't be keeping it under wraps. And here's why. One, it would almost become a super deterrent, a super conventional deterrent. Like if we had aircraft that can maneuver like that, no other country could ever hope to get air superiority against us. Like we would just trash their, their planes. And when you have air superiority, you will own the land. That's just how modern warfare works. Like you're not taking tanks, you're not taking troops, you're not taking ships anywhere if the adversary has not just air superiority, but air supremacy, unchallenged, meaning if you float a ship out there, it will get sunk and hit by 50 different ships. And I don't even care about your aircraft, your anti-aircraft capabilities, because those craft in those videos are displaying speeds and maneuverability that would not be able to be dealt with with the current existing anti-aircraft technology. It would completely elevate the United States military to a plane above our nearest peer that we've never been at. Even at low, even at Russia's lowest point after the fall of the Soviet Union and our highest point, which was probably, you know, th that gap was probably biggest right there around the turn of the century at year 2000. Uh, same with China, same with China, you know, we've never experienced that kind of superiority that would be like the equivalent of you know us and the native americans that's how extreme the technology displayed by those craft in those videos is it's unbelievable and additionally the technology that's displayed there it would probably revolutionary it would revolutionize modern society like i mean it would probably sol solve the warming problem you didn't see any exhaust right in those videos there was no plumes they talk about it um when you, if you ever read some people who are talking about those videos and, and trying to provide some analysis on them there's no emissions there's no contrails there's no 
ionization trails. There's no swirls um, in the wind. Like, you know, whatever those are is a technology that would not be able to be kept under wraps by the federal government. There's no reason for them to keep it under wraps. Um, you know, the only way that you would say that you would want to keep it under wraps, if it was literally, literally like the first generation prototype, and we don't want anyone to know that it was ours. But here's the thing that eliminates that possibility. If it was ours, Word would have made it to the United States Congress that, hey, those are ours. Stop talking about it. Let's be quiet about it. Um, here's what you need to know. And then Congress wouldn't have put out this mandate about, okay, well, if you don't know what it is and you're not going to tell us what it is, even if you know, then we're going to order you to do this report. So the fact that that's happening tells us that no one in the United States government knows what those are because that information would have trickled up and they would have killed this disclosure program right then and there. So then that same logic applies to it being anyone else on the planet, to be honest with you, right? The only really plausible explanation, if you even want to call it that, would be that there's like a James Bondy terrorist out there with a stealth submarine with amazing, unbelievable technology, technological advancements that they've somehow made uh, without some government learning about it and also not wanting to become literally trillionaires by exploiting it commercially. I mean, holy crap, like if, if an individual or even just a small group of corporation had that technology, you're talking trillions of dollars. That's what, how transformative that uh, capability that we see in those videos would be. I mean, and even just the drones that we saw, or not that we saw, but that were saw out there with flight times of well beyond two hours just hanging out. Like even that technology would, you know, help climate change, would help efficiency, would, would be some other type of power sources being used that is definitely not conventional and that is just out in the industry anywhere. And those concepts kind of go back to that whole conspiracy theory and why I don't believe in them is there's too much to be gained by someone to come forward with that. And you're even more protected now than you ever were. I mean, so that's why we want to talk about, you know, Snowden for just a second. So whatever your opinion on Snowden is, um, he brought us some facts, you know, and he actually talked about ET and he said, you know, as far as he could get in through his access and it was very, how he worded this was very specific. And I don't know if he, if he worded this exactly that way or not, but he's like, as far as he could tell, no extraterrestrial civilizations had ever contacted the U.S. government. That's a big fish, right? There's a long way from government recovered, crashed debris believed to be not from, not manufactured on the earth to having contact with extraterrestrial civilizations. Um, because clearly if we don't know what they are and we're convening these congressional inquiries to figure it out, then we don't know what they are, which means they haven't talked to us. And that kind of brings me back to what is this all leading to? 
what's next. Because as I said, it seemed like as we reach the internet age, um, as we reach this globalization period in you know recorded human history, it seemed like the, the sightings went down. The reportings went down. Even when we have just phones, cameras everywhere, we just don't have as many sightings in the same significant event light type things that we had in the past. But then we do get them, right? We got these ones from the Navy on camera. I'm almost positive somebody's got pictures of those drones from the Navy out there and all the other ones that have been referred to that haven't been released yet. And so what, what could they be? You know, let's just, if you war game this out or just do a thought experiment and let's just assume for the sake of a discussion that they are extraterrestrials or even interdimensional human travelers or, you know, I've heard people suggest that maybe they're traveling, they're humans traveling back in time, uh, you know, to say things. And I, you, I do hear some nonsense that seems super propagandy to me, like they're coming back in time to tell us that we're destroying the planet and we need to stop. Well, that's not the way to do it, right? <laughs> you don't, um, one of the major events, and again, I didn't talk about international ones just yet. Well, I probably won't get into them because there's too many, but like, you know, there were some African school children that supposedly had an UFO land right outside their playground and they went all there and a guy or a creature or whatever got out and looked at them and they all said they had these feelings and were sort of, I don't know, a telepathic communication to them or something that you're destroying the planet and you need to stop. Now, this was back in the 70s, okay? So, you know, and that's when the kids were saying it. They were saying it in the 70s. And it, it's an interesting coincidence that there was kind of that, you know, save the planet, save the whales kind of thing kind of started in the 70s. And now we're kind of come full circle where it's kind of a big deal. It's out there in the mainstream it's kind of trendy, I guess, if you would put it that way. Again, is just weird, right? That's just a weird thing because if they wanted to tell us, they could tell us without having to talk to, you know, seven-year-olds. And so the other thing is if, it, if it's them and they're here, whoever they are, they've moved past concealment, right? Because... They know they've been seen. Well, maybe they don't know they've been seen in all instances, but like those drones off the ships, they weren't hiding. They were just hovering there, right? And when you go back to all of these reports, they were there, probably realized that they've been seen, and then they disappear. So they're not hiding, but they're also not in interacting. And that's, the, that's sort of that fact that every conclusion that you try to draw from this and every angle that the government needs to take has to account for that fact. Okay, what are these? You know, they're coming and we're seeing them in broad daylight. So they're not doing it in the dark. Um, and they're doing it, whatever they're trying to do, they're doing it in areas where, at the very least, the United States Navy is operating. Um, you know, I haven't heard... Uh, Air Force reports on things like this in the same way we have this Navy information. And you got to realize uh, the Air Force is in the air 
so much longer than the Navy. So, I mean, some of our bombers will take off from the middle of the United States and literally fly almost the entire circumference of the Earth on one trip. So these pilots are in the air for a exceedingly long time. And if they, you know, it's just un, unreal to believe that they wouldn't have seen some things as well. Um, and so that's where we're at. We're at this place where government seems to be finally saying, okay, there's something here. We need to take it more seriously than was taken in the past. Or at least we want to know us current, us being the current members of Congress. Okay, we don't see the Department of Defense doing anything about this. We want to know everything that you know and who's made that decision not to do anything about it. So tell us what you got. Because none of us were here in the 50s. None of us were here in the 60s. That's kind of the way I view this new thing, that all this evidence has sort of come to a head and you got these guys resigning from the Pentagon saying, we have all this evidence, no one's doing anything about it. That's a problem. And you really start, when you really dig into some of these interviews, you kind of just see that bureaucratic monster, that institutional resistance that I've kind of been explaining through this last 40, 50 years of the Department of Defense and just how there is naturally a institutional resistance to things that don't have answers, to things that are out of the ordinary. And, you know, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. People don't like unknowns, right? You don't have, you don't have an answer, you don't have a question. And so um, that's my view of what Congress is doing right now. And I don't know how much, you know, we don't know, I don't want to say I, we don't know how much they already know. Because it's clear from a lot of the reports that have been leaked out that some people know. Like Harry Reid will always give these interviews, he'll, and you can just see it in his eyes. Like He's carefully parsing out what he's allowed to say. He's trying to remember what's already been disclosed so he doesn't break any rules or break any laws by disclosing things that he's not allowed to say, but that he knows are there. And he'll tell you there's more stuff out there, and you can just see him struggling through conversations and interviews about it, because you can just see he wants to just he just wants to spill, but he's gotta he's gotta sort of hop on the stones that have already emerged above the surface of the water um, to to avoid breaking any laws and, and lose his security clearance and all that kind of stuff. Then you have these other guys who are kind of um, you know, willfully just kind of say, yeah, you know, we had some rules bent, and but it needs to come out, so it's fine. And it's going to be interesting to see what we get. And if this disclosure doesn't start trickering, maybe some more, I don't want to say whistleblowers, but like belated whistleblowers from some events in history as they start coming out. And that... That leads us to, okay, what's the government going to do? What are they going to conclude? And it seems that, based on what we can tell from these encounters, these now we're using the term unidentified aerial phenomenon, they're not just direct contact, right? If there was aliens out there and said, hey, you idiots are about to destroy your planet and you guys are going to die in 100 years because there's not going to be any oxygen left in your environment, um, because you're going to kill your oceans with all the pollution in it. They could just say that, right? So if they're there 
and they're concerned, they have a bigger concern than the planet. They are more concerned about disclosing to the human race their existence than they are concerned about what we're doing to the planet. Right? You see how that logic fits like? If they were more concerned about the planet than anything else, they would just show up and tell us. Here we are. We're better than you. Look at this technology. We're older than you. We've been around. We're smarter than you. Um, so get your shit right. You know, unfuck yourselves, humans. But they don't do that. So if they're there, and, and, and that's something that they would be concerned about, and it would be not difficult to see how um, an alien species, if they had been tracking this planet as being a life-giving planet, could be concerned about the state of the planet. But clearly, if that is the case, they are still more concerned about disclosing themselves to the governments. Now, maybe they're afraid that it would trigger some sort of world war, which is going to leave the planet off even worse than it is right now. Um, you know, maybe they think there's time for us to get our act together, get a couple more generations um, through here, you know, get us to a point where every person who's alive is a generation that's grown up with, um, I don't want to say global warming necessarily, but grown up with a cognizant of sustainability, right? I mean, even an economist who's not, you know, a climate scientist will tell you that resources are finite. And what happens as you run out of certain resources, you start reaching for other resources, and it's like a vicious cycle, and there's a sustainment piece in there. Scarcity is real. And you got to do something about it. But at the same time, right? I mean, if, if they are there, they got this technology and they wouldn't really take that much technology for us to really turn this pollution thing around. One of the, one of these incidents um, left some debris or some piece of material that this guy, I think he was some sort of French researcher, sort of a UFO connoisseur. He kind of went around the whole world trying to catalog everything. He's one of the few people in, in the academic world to, to do this. Whatever this item is, you know, he took it out to Cal Berkeley or Caltech or somebody or Stanford University, someplace in California, and they did a spectral analysis on one of the most advanced, not necessarily electron scanning microscope, but it was something like that. And basically the conclusion that was drawn by this material scientist is that this isn't even, it's not just an alloy. It is an alloy of alloys, meaning it's using versions of atoms that we don't even know exist because um, we can't make them. And so, I mean, they made the comment that, you know, our periodic table has, you know, 200 elements or whatever it is, 100 and something where, you know, whoever made this had a periodic table of 500, you know, or, or two or three times the number of elements mainly just because of isotopes. And theoretically, there is probably a whole bunch of materials that we can create that will remain stable and be useful. And we're probably right on the verge of discovering those ourselves because of uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence and just advanced manufacturing techniques uh, and, and advanced uh, chemistry. We're getting there, and it would only take just a little nudge from them, a little nudge from the extraterrestrials to give us that key. You know, how do we get that room temperature superconductor, right? 
How can we, you know, get that quantum computer? How do we get a qubit stable enough to really, you know, light the quantum computing fire? Like just a little nudge on any of those things. And it's going to accelerate, you know, our sustainability technology exponentially. And so it's weird when we start to apply the logic of the non-intervention or the non-contact of these extraterrestrials and you can't really reconcile their inaction with any kind of concern, right? They Clearly, their biggest concern is not making direct contact with human beings. That, I think, is the only conclusion that the data supports as of now. And so, the next question then becomes, moving away from our thought experiment, what does it take for the United States government to conclude that these unidentified aerial phenomenon are extraterrestrials or some non-human form of life. People in the government have already said that that might be the case. They kind of do it in these sort of off-the-cuff comments at these different places they're giving speeches or to audiences or whatever. Um, and that may be the best we get for a while because they're not probably going to know. You know, can we ever know, or I guess I should say, what would we have to witness or observe in order for us to conclude definitively that these are extraterrestrial entities? Direct contact, right, with some sort of proof that it wasn't a hoax would definitely do it. Hey, you know, I'm, you know, we're the Klingons. We're here to murder you. Um, sorry. Or, you know, we see one of these craft you know, we track them well enough that they not only zoom fast away from us, but we see them actually leave the atmosphere and shoot off into space, right? If we saw that, if we were able to observe that and track that, then we would pretty well be able to conclude that these are probably some extraterrestrial beings. Um, however, you know, would that, and now that I say that, I'm not even sure that that's enough. I would think that would get us there, but you still, you couldn't rule it out that it was some human technology that, you know, somebody knew how to do that and figured it out and we just don't know about it. You know, that, that may not still cross that threshold, right? I mean, we already see these craft doing incredible things that we replicate. So if we're not assuming already that they're extraterrestrial based on their capabilities now, why would a little bit more capability drive us to that conclusion. That may mean that we may never conclude that they're extraterrestrial until they talk to us. I mean, that's kind of my feeling, and I think that's kind of the way the government's been going. You know, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways that you can view this whole thing and then make some assumptions, and then you, when you play that logic through, it always plays out the same way. So when you think about the way that the government has played this out over history, the only thing that could have probably changed the way it played out would have been direct public contact and not direct private contact. I'm not saying, you know, the president's computer lights up one day and HAL 5000 is talking to him from behind the moon or something, right? Or, you know, Megatron's talking to him from Mars. You know, I'm talking about publicly undeniable direct contact. 
that might be the only thing that gets us there. Because everything else, that goes beyond just accepted observation to almost indisputable observation. Now, I'll probably do another podcast later on about facts. Like, I didn't really want to use the word facts that much in this because that word's getting thrown around. It's become flimsy. Uh, The vocabulary is just starting to wander on us. and We're not being disciplined with language. Um, So we can talk about what, how you go from a belief to a fact. What's the difference between what you know as fact and what you believe to be true? Because those are very two different things. And so it's difficult for me to imagine outside of direct contact. Um, Now, I think direct contact could take a couple of different forms. You could have direct contact. Communication, you could have just a dang landing like in Mars Attacks, the movie, if you haven't seen that. Um, and, or I can't decide if I believe that a legitimately crashed space vehicle would do it because it would have to have been a public one. It would have to be recent and it would have to have been in a way that the government can't show up and spirit it off and hush it up. And so I think the only way that you would get that is if you had a very public crash, like it landed in the damn city in the middle of the day, and you got 10,000 cameras, and you have it on camera, and you see it, and you've got different pieces of debris that people pick up and put in their pocket and take home. like Something like that, where then you know an academic scientist could literally get their hands on some piece of debris and say, yeah, wow, this is radioactive. It's made of elements we don't have here on Earth. Uh, there's just no way that this was ever made on Earth. You know, Does that get us there without an actual being talking to us from somewhere else? I don't even know if SETI could get us there, right? I don't know about SETI's equipment. I don't know if they received a radio transmission that was from another planet or even just from a spaceship out in space somewhere. Could we definitively rule out the fact that it wasn't somehow spoofed and a hoax? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think it would be difficult, but it might be possible due to the number of different satellites and Uh, cameras and telescopes and all these things that we have all over the planet it might be possible today where it might not have been possible 30 years ago to rule out a spoof but that was kind of a journey I don't know if we even got anywhere we're not that much different today than we were right after Roswell and in fact in some ways you could say that these new Navy videos are exactly where we were with Roswell, or even when the saucers over Washington, D.C., you know, and then the government took a look, said, we're going to take a look at this thing. And then they did Project Blue Book, and they came back and said, mm, guess what? Nothing to see here. Are we going to see the same thing? Is Congress going to say, you know what? We got these things released. While we can't identify what these things are, we don't have any indications that they're a threat. We can't conclude that they're extraterrestrial or any other type of life. And guess what? There's nothing to see here. Part of me thinks that that's what's going to happen. 
I guess we'll have to wait and see.